Welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan, chatting to some of the UK's leading business professionals, sharing tips, insights, and advice on how to create amazing customer experiences whilst building bigger, better, and more profitable businesses as a result. What can you do in your business today and in the years to come to truly delight your clients? What exceptional experiences can you give them to take away and cherish? How can you delight the most important person in the world? Satisfaction makes you one of many. Delighting clients makes you the only one. And you can't be just one, you have to be the only one. Hello and welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan. And in the chair today, I have a fabulous guest for you who toos and froes between the States and uh, and the UK. So it's uh, amazing to get hold of him. He's the best-selling author of Exactly What to Say, Exactly How to Sell and Exactly Where to Start. He had his first business at just 14 years of age and is the youngest recipient of the British Excellence in Sales and Marketing Award. To date, over 2 million people across 57 different countries have benefited from his lessons. And as a result, they now know exactly what to say, exactly when to say it, and exactly how to make more of their conversations, making them count. Please welcome Phil M. Jones. Phil, how are you? I'm great, thanks, James. I'm great. Pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm so pleased you've you've been able to take the time out for me and uh, and and have a quick chat. Particularly as you've uh, you've just become the father again of of two gorgeous twin daughters. Yeah, I have I have eight week old twins right now. So eight weeks as of today, they are they are beautiful, delightful, awesome, challenging, nightmares, glorifying. <laughs> like think about every adjective that you could possibly have, and they yeah they are they are fun, but a test a, a test all the same. Well, I've, I've, you know, I've got two kids, and uh, they were born a couple of years apart. And uh, having two at once, I've, I've only got two arms, and so have you. And uh, <laughs> I guess with 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 Charlotte as well. At least you've got four between you. But uh, look, you know, massive congratulations, Phil. Thank it's you. Uh, Thank you. N- nothing nicer in the world. And how's business with you? You every time I look at a at some kind of social media, you're in a different county, a different state, a different country you're all over the place yeah but business is great and, and, and business has been a, a fantastic ride for me for the last decade or more in terms of progression and growth and change and challenge and, and, and stepping into new areas and finding out about new businesses and new cultures and it's been you know one success in front of one challenge in front of another success in front of another challenge etc for, for quite a ride but I'm I'm enjoying work. Um, I'm enjoying some of the cool projects that I'm involved in. I'm enjoying the impact that I'm having in the world. But my big challenge work-wise right now is, is finding the things to say no to as opposed to chasing right. more things to say yes to. That's where, where my space is at. So that's a, a unique challenge that's a new one to me is um, how do I do less and how do I be less useful to people and how do I um, <laughs> create, create stronger boundaries to be able to make sure I can excel in the areas that I'm best at. I was uh, I was speaking to someone recently about AI and uh, and holograms and that kind of thing, and I think you know, I was just while you were speaking there, I was wondering you know how many places could you be, and if you could be a hologram, um, you know, where's the opportunity? But I guess that that d- detracts from the your ability to personalise what you do, and I know you're you're very keen to do that. Yeah, and and I think there are great examples of where artificial intelligence, systemization, automation, whatever you might choose to call it, can really enhance a customer experience. And I think there are 
lots of reasons where people are motivated by it as a cost saving exercise or a duplication exercise that waters down the essence of what somebody needs to do. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how you know, some companies take the technology that is, is becoming available to them and, and add experience to customers and add experiences to experiences and also how some people make a car crash of it um, <laughs> and lose any of the authenticity in what it is they're trying to do. I think it's going to be a fun few years. Oh, I was having a fabulous time this morning. We have a 45 minutes to get absolutely nowhere on a chatbot with a very big American software business. Um, you know, when they work well, this stuff's great. And when it doesn't work well, my word, it's tricky. What are you enjoying, Phil? What, what are the things that you're doing at the moment that are really giving you a buzz? And, and where are you, you adding the most for your clients, do you think? I, I think what am I enjoying most is... I'm enjoying performing at the front of the room as a keynote speaker in, in some really demanding environments, helping people think about the world of selling differently. Um, and, and, and I like being the guy that's at the front of the room that everybody hates before I take the stage. And then, and then afterwards, they're like, oh, I never thought of it like that one. And, and there can be integrity. There can be authenticity. And, and, and in fact, I might have been standing in my own way. So I have a lot of fun with that. I was I was in Arkansas last week at the Arkansas Trucking Association, and you can imagine an audience right. of that nature have, have never really seen themselves as sales professionals. And, and, and by the end of that, seeing them pivot 180 on the way they look at it is, is a joy. I'm enjoying some of the projects that I'm working on with, with Audible. So um, I've got some exciting stuff coming out later in the year with them, and I'm enjoying how exactly what to say is continuing to perform and prosper and the doors that opens for me. And, and the new Audible original that I released earlier this year I'm enjoying what, what what that's being received about, and there's there's nothing finer in this world that that you and I are in of of self improvement and helping people face to face when you produce items that leverage and you make a difference to people's lives that you've never met, and then that bounces back at you. I mean that that for me makes my day of getting two three emails, LinkedIn requests, um, you know, Instagram DMs, etc., where people are like, "Hey, I read your stuff and it and it helped and it really worked, or it's helped me overcome something that was challenging." So. That, that's the stuff I'm enjoying. It's great to hear you say that because I, I was in a meeting. Well, I was actually in my mastermind group last week, and uh, I got an email saying that a book had been sold, and I, I got all excited. Oh wow, a book's been sold! And one of them looked at me, "What? What? One book?" Said, yeah, of course, because every time someone buys one, it's a buzz. You know, it's fantastic. And I, you sell a lot more books than I do, Phil. But that's a, it's a great thing. Well, I got interviewed about book sales the other day, and exactly what to say is now uh, approaching three hundred seventy-five thousand copies. So it's done huge, and people are like. How do you sell 375,000 copies of a book? And my answer to the question was one at a time. <laughs> and, and, and that's an important mindset that we should never get. You know, you can't read more than one book at a time. So what you're looking for is, is readers of things as opposed to consumers of things. And I, I think that's another area that gets, gets massively lost is the finish line for many of businesses in the wrong place. Right. You know, the, the finish line isn't how many books did you sell? It's how many books have been read and then what difference has been made in the world from the results of people reading those books. And, and, and too many businesses, even from a service point of view, are, um, are putting the finish line in the wrong place. They're celebrating the success of their, you know, their efforts and their promises at the point of transaction, as opposed to when that promise has been received or experienced by the end user. It's a fabulous way to look at it, and no matter how how you cut it, three hundred seventy five thousand books is a lot of books, and you know even if a third of those people were to 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 do something with it, that'd be a huge huge effort, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I was really delighted to um to pick up your audio because uh, I'm I'm one of these people that 
I, I, I travel a lot, like, like I guess like you travel too. And, you know, it's, I, I can get through a lot of books on Audible. Um, and I love listening to, or well, I particularly love listening to authors read their own work. Um, and I think it's really great when that. I'm often disappointed when I pick up a, an audiobook and it's not the author. Uh, I know they take a lot of time, but it's always good to hear to hear the language as well. What's um, what's changing in the sales world, Phil? You, you're amongst lots of different businesses, talking to to huge amounts of people every year. Is sales the same, or is sales getting different? My, I guess my short answer to that is is nothing's changed, but everything is different. Um, right. In in you know the core principles that we have as human beings have, have never moved. However, the biggest difference that we're seeing today is that the majority of consumers are armed with more information than they ever have been in the past, mm-hmm. and they are more nervous and more cautious than they ever have been in the past. Right. So what it means is we're starting to go full circle. So we all know that people do business with those that they know, like, and trust. Right. That is that is something that I don't believe will ever go out of fashion. Yeah. But those no like trust segments, they're not a third, a third, a third. Like historically, um, we were probably in a situation where trust carried more weight than anything else, but not really. No carried more weight than anything else because a thousand years ago, a hundred years ago, even even 50 years ago, if you needed a butcher, you went to your butcher because that was the only one that you knew. It didn't matter whether you liked or trusted them. You had a choice of one. Right. Um, so, so no carried the bigger weight in, in that whole piece. As we've evolved over a period of time and choice has started to become more apparent, people, I would say, over the last decade have probably put more weight on on the like segment of of no like and trust is who do I like? Who gives me that warm feeling? Who gives me that fuzzy feeling? Whereas today, the pivot, I think, is moving more towards this this trust area of of the decision making process is that we are naturally more skeptical. We're armed with more information Everybody is saying that they do the same thing. Ability to be able to distinguish why you as opposed to somebody like you is harder and harder and harder. And uh, in such a short-term society, anybody who's selling anything with a long-term promise or outcome probably needs to do more work to be able to get the other person to trust them um, more than they ever have done in the past. And, And that means it's not so much what you do, it's how you do it, how many times you've done it in the past, who you've done it for, and how you can get the other person to see that you're the right person, not just through rapport building, buying them drinks, you know, um, being a nice guy, but actually giving them the confidence that you can follow through on your promise. It's uh, that's you mentioned people being more skeptical these days. I think there's so much cutting through the noise is tricky anyway. Um, even trying to get to the, the the gist of a news feed and find out what actually happened, rather than what just people's opinion of what actually happened is is tricky enough. And when we're trying to buy professional services or we're trying to buy whatever it might be from a, from a very noisy marketplace, finding the one that fits us best is hard. How how do you as a, as a business when you're looking out into the ether and thinking how do I make sure people notice me? What what should they be doing? Um, what what should they be doing? I think I think the first thing they should be doing is is having a very 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 clear understanding of who their people are. The mistake that I make that I, that I see all the time from anybody who's looking to grow a business or grow a client bank is they're trying to serve too many people, which means they serve nobody. You know, they're, they're too broad, they're too wide. They you know they're they're useful for everybody. They are essential for nobody. Right. Um, and, and I think that is something that particularly as crowded as the marketplaces are everywhere, 
taking the ability to be able to really sharpen the point of your arrow to, to the people in which you serve is, is something that is imperative. What, what else would I be looking to be able to do is, is understand that, that every consumer is looking really to be able to answer the question, show me that you know me. Right. Show me that you understand the world through my eyes. Show me you understand my problems. Show me that you get what my issues are. And, and, and I'm sick of tired of people pitching me something that they have no understanding whether I need or not. I see mm. it a hundred times a week in my LinkedIn. It's these blind pitches towards the fact that we can help you get more leads. Yep. I'm like, I don't need any more leads. In fact, <laughs> a lead is a problem to me right now. I need an infrastructure to be able to overcome leads. I need to decide whether I want to scale or whether I want to be able to take back. I need to have conversations about what I do with pricing to be able to minimize different people. Like, like I don't need more leads. Yet every single day people show up pitching me something I have no need for. And I wonder how many people are doing that exact same thing is that they are, they are guessing at what their consumers require from them or could benefit from them. And assuming everybody's the same, we're all demonstrably different. So, so picking your people, getting clear on the problems that are really important in their life, and then talking towards the problems that are maybe just, just an inch or two ahead yep. of your perfect consumer. Not, not, not three years ahead, like an inch or two ahead, and, and just being one step ahead of knowing where they're at at this moment in time, you'll win more business. That uh, that LinkedIn thing is uh, everybody's talking about at the moment, getting these blind pitches and you know LinkedIn requests. And when you send a message back, which I quite often do, say, look, it's very kind of you to want to want to connect, but was there something in particular that caught your eye? Um, you know, you get hit with this thing and it's it's no different to when you used to open the post and it was full of flyers or, but you know, moving forward, I'm, I'm a lot older than you, Phil, when, you know, the fax machine used to run all morning with junk, um, you know, just to, to try and flog you some stuff, you know, that you didn't really need um, on the hope that some, you know, if you throw enough about, some might stick. Um, the personalization of that stuff is, is a little bit better because you can automate it and get names and things, but uh, but it's still the same process. Throw throw a load of stuff about, hope someone buys it. Well, uh, it didn't work before. I can't understand how it could possibly work now, um, but people still do it. Right, and all that anybody wants is, is knowledge and understanding that they matter and that they're somebody. I, we, we have so much information at our fingertips nowadays that the – the need to to blast a campaign at a mass full of people without giving consideration towards who those people are, I think is ignorant. And um, like sticking on that LinkedIn theme, or, or even if I think about my inbox right now is, it, you know, it's crowded with these assumed messages that were quite clearly sent to, you know, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people in the same way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even got an email this morning from a major airline based out of Europe that I've never flown with, where the subject line was, um, how about a trip to the United States? <laughs> for a guy sat in the States, that's... Uh, I fucking uh... love it, right? <laughs> like, so, so, like, you know, a trip anywhere else in the world, but, like, and and this this show me that you know me piece, yeah. you know, it's, it is the future, and, and we're seeing it with, you know, the world's biggest brands are... Uh, you know, are reverse personalizing things. Um, they understand how important it is. You know, the, the hotel industry has been doing this forever. Mm-hmm. But I think even as smaller independent businesses, we are we are responsible now for saying, you know, our customers are people to us, and we should understand what's important to our customers, and we should be able to you know bring that towards our business message. There's no no nicer feeling as a as a purchaser or as a customer or as a client when you feel understood 
Uh, it's it's the right. absolute essence of everything. And you, you mentioned hotels there. Um, you know, I I I love to learn from the best, as you know, Phil. And uh, and I think there's some remarkable stories to be learned from the hospitality industry. There's some car crash stories as well, of course. But you know, some of the processes, some of the style, some of the thinking about client base. Well, I think we're talking talk, talk hotels as well. And I, I, you know, I'd be interested in your take on on this thing here, James, as well. It's like. We've seen the hotel industry do great things. Like when you arrive to a hotel, there's a little note, there's a you know some fruit and some cheeses and a drink, yep. etc. And, and I arrived at a hotel uh, seven days ago or so in um, where was I again? I was in I was in Arkansas. Yeah. Um, and I step into my room. What I've got is I do have exactly that: I have a tray of cheese and fruit. I have a beautiful little card that has my name Phil on the front of it, um, and there's a little half bottle of red wine. Yeah. Um, I thought, like, you know, nice touch. I open the card, I read the card, and it's signed off from a member of staff at Marriott. Mm-hmm. And I'm confused, m- more so than overwhelmed. Right. Because I'm wondering, like, where, where's the catch? What was the reason behind this gift? Is this is this gift because of the fact that I have status? Is this gift because I'm here with the event that's booked 300 rooms and, and, and spent a chunk of change with you. Is this a gift from my host that I should be saying thank you for? Is this because the girl at the front de- desk thought I was cute? Like, like, I don't know what the reason behind that gesture was. Right. Therefore, it doesn't sit right with me. It doesn't, it doesn't feel understood. Like the note said, I hope you have a great stay, but I'd like to think that they like hope everybody had a great stay. If the note said, "Thank you for your loyalty with the Marriott chain," here's a little something from us as a, you know, as a, you know, as a thank you towards your loyalty. Oh, got it. I can feel good about that gift. And, and I think it's this lack of purpose, lack of being understood, that um, can mean that sometimes a really good thing doesn't quite doesn't quite deliver on what it was hoping for. I'm sure they'd be disappointed to hear that, but uh, but, but your your reasoning behind it is 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 great. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people would have just thought, "Oh, isn't that nice." Um, but when you're going to personalise things, personalise them. Um, you know, if you're going to make a point of, of giving someone a gift, let them be aware of what you're thankful for. Uh, right. You know, it makes – I heart back to a story years and years ago with uh, for our 10th anniversary, Mandy and I went to Le Manoir in Oxfordshire, which is uh, a beautiful place, you know, yeah. one of the, the most – oh, fabulous place. Um, and in the room was a little card on the desk. It was a half bottle of – well, it was a full bottle of champagne, actually, and a little card which said, have a wonderful 10th anniversary, signed Raymond Blanc. Now, Raymond owns the place and that's all, you know, we both got a bit giddy about that, but it was very specific and, you know, they knew it was our anniversary. They'd taken the time to, well, someone had taken the time to ask him to sign a card and there it was. And I've still got that in my, my stuck up on the wall of my office because it was so lovely. Um, but uh, I, I, I mean, I'm a big believer in thanking people. It's um I think it's almost gone out of fashion to say thank you. Um, but if your kids were given a sweet by somebody, um, you know, and they didn't respond, the first thing you'd say to them was say thank you. Well, you know, when you go into Marriott and there's a nice display of stuff for you, at least let them, well, at least you should understand what you're being thanked for. Uh, maybe you stay in Marriott's too often, Phil. You want to stop stop doing it. Well, yeah, and that's what it makes you want to do sometimes, right? It's just say, let me go see what happens elsewhere. And, and, you know, loyalty programs that are designed to be able to keep you loyal to a brand are, are potentially going to change over the coming years where where actually what we want is is we don't want to be treated like a a platinum elite member. I want to be treated like Phil Jones. Yeah, there's that, that old story of the uh, the queen always smells paint was I can't yeah, remember yeah. who said it. 
um, you know, because wherever she goes, it's like that. And actually, you know, good service should be just good service, um, regardless of who you are. I'd like to think that I was treated as well as you if I'd stayed there once and you stayed there 300 times. Right. The service I received should be the same. Um, but if you stay there 300 times, it doesn't hurt to get a little, you know, someone to say, hey, Phil, thanks for stopping with us. It's been, you know, we, we appreciate your business. Or even just to notice that you've been there 300 times. Even, even just to be, you know, welcome back again, even just to be the, you know, when I get to the bar, they ask me, is it an old fashioned again, which is the same drink I would have ordered there every single time that I've been there for the last, you know, I'd, I'd rather that, I'd rather they remember something about me than, than, than try, try and falsify a level of service. There's, there's some, um, there's some big problems coming with all of that, particularly in Europe with the um, yeah. GDPR stuff um, and the ability to record information about or specifics about people. Um, which I think is a great shame, actually, because a lot of that personalization, you know, knowing what Phil drinks when he goes to the bar is a very nice thing. Well, but, it, but also it doesn't have to be systemized and documented. It could just be because you have great loyal staff that hang around for a period of time and take a genuine interest in people. I, yes, absolutely. But then there's an issue of scale. Um, if you, you know, if I go into the coffee shop in our village, you know, the first thing we we stop and and you know, Viv and I have a chat, and and after about five minutes, she says, "Oh, did you want something? <laughs> Shall I get you your coffee?" <laughs> you know, um, that's that's lovely. But when you scale businesses to a great extent, when you do it to the size of some of these, particularly the hotel chains, I mean, these are monstrous businesses. Um, but they, you know, some do it better than others. I, I, I'm a big fan of Shangri-La hotels. I think they're absolutely remarkable. Um, but they have a delight program. They don't have a satisfaction program. They're not interested in loyalty. They want to delight you. Right. And if they're not delighting you, they don't care. That's not good enough. And I think that's an interesting way to look at things. And, and I like see the, the, um, the Ritz-Carlton group and how they, they empower their staff with i think you know whether it's a fifteen hundred dollar amount or a, you know a five hundred dollar amount the amount's kind of irrelevant but mm-hmm. every member of staff regardless of of where they sit within the organization has this agreed level of spending that they are allowed to be able to utilize to be able to delight a, delight a, a guest at a time of need so they don't have to ask for approval they don't need to go through you know management leadership to be able to get there they just have this built-in empowerment that says we we can do something without it being Systemized, so they've systemized the desystemization of uh, of surprise and delight of a consumer. I, 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 there's a, there's a few businesses who do that, um, uh, not quite to the extent that that uh, Ritz Carlton do, but then it allows them to to true. I mean, they the ability. Nordstrom are another business who do a similar thing, don't they? Yeah. And um, yeah. you know, in, in Europe, Nordstrom isn't such a name, but um, and they're like Disney, like yeah, they're becoming cliche for for what they do. Um, but actually, I think it's quite flattering to be cliched for uh, for great service and and going out of the way to to help people. There's a wonderful, wonderful story I read in uh, I think it was in one of the one of the many books about Nordstrom of a of a woman coming into the shop to buy a shoe. Now she'd lost one of her legs and I, I don't know how, but she was she was walking um, with an artificial uh, limb and and wanted to buy one shoe. And no shop she'd been into allowed her to buy one shoe. They said, no, shoes come in pairs. And the Nordstrom person looked at it and went, well, of course. It wasn't a thought, you know, we, we, you, you want this, we can do it. Of course you can. Um, and I think that's just a, that level of empowerment, it, it, it makes sense, but it also makes for a much better level of service and happier, client, happier staff. 
Well, it, well, it just means that people feel empowered to make decisions. And I think to everybody listening to our chat right now is, is when we think about ourselves as consumers, everywhere you go, we're being presented with examples of, of mediocre, with fine, with average, with awesome. We, we bump into role models and stereotypes everywhere at you know, dozens of periods of times a day. And I think if, if we have a goal of improving the experience that we create for our consumers, using our own lives as reference points for the things that, that happen to us and, and, and how those things make us feel, um, is where all the answers lie. Like, like we don't, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or an expert in these things. You just have to be you know, an aware consumer and, and you can start to make smarter decisions just by copying or, or taking influence from, from people who've done great things before you. And we take influence from lots of places. I was listening to um, good mate of yours, Shep Hyken, um, talking about this yeah. recently. And so, you know, we don't compare like with like. We're not comparing an accounting firm with another accounting firm. We're not comparing a supermarket with another supermarket. We're comparing it with the last service we had, regardless of where that came from. Um, and that isn't necessarily a change, but it's something that's very true. And uh, and businesses need to be aware that, uh, you know, that consumers will compare you with everything that they touch it doesn't matter what that is it doesn't matter if it's the corner shop it doesn't matter if it's waitrose nordstrom if it's uh, online whatever it is that last great thing will be your comparison exactly exactly that phil what's the future of all of this where where does service go to where does sales change to how, how does it improve and how does it change um i in, in my opinion, the changes are going to come by everybody slowing down a little. And I know that sounds pretty stupid in an in a information age and a technological age that we are in right now. But it, it's this chance to be able to catch our breath and, and live in the moment a little bit more and, and, and truly understand what's important to other people. So, so you're going to see polarizing opinions by, by brands more than ever that, that create very bold choices in the way they go about providing customer service or, or experiences, mm-hmm. is, is they're going to be loved or hated. The, these, you know, chains that, that, that deliver a consistent level of, yeah, all right, yep. are, are going to find it harder and harder to, to survive. We've seen that within the retail space, which I think is one of the first places to be able to provide us with clues, mm-hmm. um, that, that we now want something that's a hell yes or a hell no. We, we, don't, we, we don't want, yeah, they're all right. Um, and, and I think as choice continues to be able to present itself more freely, which is only going to be the truth, the the desire to be able to double down, double down, double down, double down, and these are our people, this is what I know about my people, I understand these people implicitly, and I make bold choices to deliver an experience to these people that's important to them and hated by others mm-hmm. is is great. And, 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 you know, I was having this conversation at an event the other day that I was on a panel with, and, and people gave an example of, of great service on picking up their motor car and this great service in picking up their motor car as a, as a new vehicle is that they'd, they'd already pre-programmed the radio stations they knew that they had a dog and they had dog treats in the back of the car and that they'd made the assumption of being able to include the mud flaps and things like and, and created this this level of persona based on assumptions about this individual and she was saying about how this was a brilliant experience and she loved it and, and there's me thinking i'd hate that <laughs> I'd flat out hate that. And the same thing happens to me. Like, like uh, I, I take a lot of car services. So whether that's like an Uber, a Lyft, a, a um, you know, a, a, a private chauffeur, etc. Yep. 
some of my friends are like, I met this driver, they were so good, I had the most amazing conversation, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, they had so much great intelligence and insight about the city, and they're like, this was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I'm in a car, I want to talk to nobody. Yep. Like, good, good service to me is drive safely, be clean, provide a bottle of water in the back. If there's a charger for my phone, now we're rocking. But don't speak to me. I have enough conversations in the daytime, and that's just my personal preferences. And I and I think these personal preferences are start going to start to become more defined by brands, so that that you can you can step into an experience that is your version of awesome service, as opposed to this pre designed version of awesome service. It's uh, it's very very interesting what you're talking about, and I I, I spend a lot of time talking about it too. I, there's I noticed recently there's a uh, a new option with Uber to have the the driver not speak. Um, and it's something you pay for in advance. Now, I, I I have really mixed in my opinion about this as to whether it should be something that you're actually charged for for a guy not to chat to you. But but I'm the same. I think, you know, if I get into public transport, I get the tube a lot and stuff. I just put headphones on. I do not want to be spoken to. I want to get on with it. Um, call me antisocial. Call me what you like. But that's what I choose and that's what I want. Um, I also heard of a, a store recently who have two types of baskets, a red basket and a green basket. And if you hold the red basket as you shop, no one will touch you, no one will talk to you. If you hold a green basket as you shop, people will come and give you a, give you a hand. Um, in essence, I like it. In reality, I think the much nicer and better service would be to say, "Hi, welcome to my shop. Can I help you today? If you'd like to, if you'd like my help, I'll be just here. If you wouldn't, you know, please enjoy your, your browse." But, but I think I think what we're going to see in the future is not not the red basket, green basket choice. It's that one brand is a red basket and a completely different brand is a green basket. Right. And you're making that choice before you enter through the door. And if you enter through the door of you know, a, a brand that strongly owns the fact that we are a red basket brand, yep. then you know that you're entering into territory that, that is outside of your preferences. And then therefore you, you become accepting of that. Like if I, if I fly uh, Southwest in the, in the U S which I do very, very rarely, mm-hmm. they are a brand that own the fact that they are friendly, they're conversational, they're full of humor. They'll make jokes and jibes with you in your seat. They'll have a good time on the flight. That's what yep. the brand is all yep. about. That's not how I like to fly. I'm a business traveler primarily. I want to be able to have my laptop up. I don't want to be interrupted with silly jokes and quips. I'm not interested in the pun of the day. Um, and I might sound miserable, but if I'm traveling for work, it's my office. But if I choose to fly Southwest, yeah. then what I need to be able to do is to accept the fact that that, that that's the environment I stepped into. So here I play by their rules. I can't be mad about it because they've mm-hmm. owned their service proposition from the get-go. And they've made me very aware of this is what they stand for. I'm now in somebody else's house. This isn't my preferences. I just made a choice based on other priorities to, to be able to pick this. And I, this is all I'm seeing is, is brands owning their identity more so, not trying to please all of the people all of the time, not saying that the customer is always right, saying that a certain group of customers are people that we will look to be able to serve with the highest levels of integrity. And those people are our people. But if you're not our people, then that's fine too. So right back to the very point of, of, of choosing your target audience, understanding that audience and serving yes. them. Do you know, I, um, it, it's in, you've given me so much to think about, Phil. The number of times I've, I, I've been into stores and I've felt 
um, you know, particularly in retail, where I felt just ignored, um, like I'm not important, like they don't care if I'm there or not, whether it's the corner shop and the guy behind the counter is talking on his phone while he's serving me or whether it's being completely ignored in a, in a department store. Um, that 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 annoys me. I want to be recognised for the fact that I'm there. I want to be encouraged. Well, I want to be welcome, um, or feel that at least my custom is is important. Um, you know, recently um, we were in Orlando for for a couple of weeks over over the hot school holidays. We had, you know, Orlando is a bit of a Disney world for everybody, but Disney itself is is quite a remarkable place. Um, but walking into a super dry store there to get some board shorts for my for my boy um was one of the nicest experiences i've ever had you know lady came she went away she came back she she you know made me a copy while he went and tried on umpteen different pairs of the same thing as far as i could see um (laughs) and then and off we went it was lovely um but that was tailored to the style of person i guess um you know any any shop who offers me a coffee lets my my kids shop without me having to be too involved (laughs) is a great place it's a great place for me. Phil, I've, I'm so delighted you've, you've spent so much time chatting. And I, I really, uh, you know, the things you, you, the thoughts that you've, you've talked about are, are, are wonderful. What's the one thing you'd like to leave the listeners with, the one golden nugget that they could take away and, and do something to make their business better today, but better in the years to come? This is an easy one for me. And it's to understand that the worst time to think about the thing you're going to say is in the moment when you're saying it. And there are dozens and dozens and dozens of conversations that are vital within every business's day-to-day operation that don't get anywhere near the level of attention that they deserve. So whether that's the initial greeting of somebody stepping into your retail premises, whether that's the opening of a phone call out towards a core prospect, whether that's the conversation you're having with a long-term account that you are looking to better develop for more business, whether it's the fact of how you how you answer your phones and the key questions that you respond with when somebody asks you a question you know you're going to be asked, whether it's your answer to the so what do you do question when you're at a networking event, is taking the time to think about what are the vital conversations that exist within your business and how certain are you that you're choosing the right words at the right time. And, and my guess is that everybody has work to do there. Phil, thank you so so much. And if you wanted to learn more about Phil, he's uh, well, he's very easy to find. PhilMJones.com, and his books are all available. Well, everywhere, aren't they? But I'll put the links below. Phil, thanks so much for your time. You bet. Yeah, any go find us. And, and and I think the the audible piece is something I'd encourage people to go jump into. And, and you mentioned earlier is is listening is a great way to accompany another activity and and. I wanted to change the way that the world thinks about sales training and and that's what I believe that I've done with how to persuade and get paid. Um, I would be keen for any of your listeners to to let me know what their experience is is of that after listening and, and what it goes on to allow them to be able to go and do. Brilliant. Thanks, Phil. My pleasure. I hope you really enjoyed this episode of The Only One Business Show and I look forward to sharing your company again very soon. If you'd like to subscribe, please do so wherever you pick up your podcasts And in the meantime, have a great day. Bye for now.